0: You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, searching for the soul of Outlander with me, Reverend Terry Menifee Gao. And me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. Just a quick word before we get started. There will be spoilers here. As we talk about the entirety of the Outlander book series, meaning all eight existing main books, plus short stories and the novellas, we will mention significant and not-so-significant plot developments throughout the series. We could do an entire episode on whether or not this series can be spoiled, but if you haven't finished it yet and want to discover the drama as it unfolds for yourself, we suggest finishing the series ASAP, (laughs) as if you need someone to encourage you to do that. And then come back to listen to this podcast. Either way, we'll be happy to have you. And now, to the episode.
1: Welcome back. This is the sixth episode of Outlander Soul. Woohoo! Yay! We're still here. We still have things to say. Good Lord, we'll be here a while, I think. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes, we are
0: rather um, verbose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: for this episode, we wanted to speak specifically or talk specifically about community. So in general, Outlander Soul, we're looking at the series of Outlander through lenses of religion, theology, and spirituality, and also engaging with fans about the role that it plays in their lives. And then in the last episode, we talked about the experience of being an Outlander or a Sasanak, and how pretty much all the main characters in the Outlander series are outlanders in some form or fashion right
0: yeah and so they feel like they are outside of the community they feel for whatever reason they feel as as if they're outsiders if you want to look at the 1980s movie with uh <laughs> mad dylan and and yeah, yeah. uh see thomas howell yeah.
1: and the
0: rest of them
1: and so this episode, we wanted to kind of talk about a community of Outlanders. So, you know, everybody's sort of on the outside, but somehow they, within the series, they find a way of being together, a, a yeah, band of, yeah. of Outlanders, as it were. So Jamie, before we do that, I'd love to
0: really hear a little bit from our listeners. After each episode, we have questions that we are putting to our listeners, to the Outlander community in general. In episode two... We we talked about Outlander as a romance and there's been some issues about whether or not, including issues with Diana Gabaldon, the writer of the Outlander series, about whether or not she believes that this is a romance, and we may have mm. a slight disagreement on that. Although I think we're probably on the same page on most of it. I think mm. it's just probably a, an issue of words and how you say what you mean to say.
1: And how you pre- what you perceive romance to be. It might be that we're working from different definitions, too. So yeah. Yes, exactly. That's pretty much what I'm thinking. But we mm. went ahead and put
0: it out to the listeners. Mm. And we asked if they read romance novels and about their experience reading Outlander. And we got some really great... responses out there so we did yeah they were really great most folks felt that outlander was much more romance than it was apart from the romance novels and we like i said in, in episode two we really kind of agree with you there
1: i think where we're coming from is that romance isn't taken seriously there is an element of romance in this series and we want to be different we want to say hey actually there is a value in in looking at romance but our listeners talked about the breadth of genre uh, genres that the series covers and the characters the locales that it elicits so many different emotions not just romantic ones that it's real uh, or feels real to people and it's high level of vocabulary. And so in some ways that's what makes Outlander different from a traditional romance novel. Okay. So Outlander is
0: multi-genre. There's so many things Mm -hmm. going on in Outlander Mm -hmm. and it's much more than a romance. And our argument has been that at the heart of it, it's the relationship between Claire and Jamie that Mm -hmm. drives Mm -hmm. the story. That is the story. And that if, anything were to happen there between the two of them, Mm -hmm. then the story would go. However, yeah. it's, it's more than that. I mean, so there's these side stories with William. There's these side stories with Brie and Roger. And then there's the whole historical battles that she mm-hmm. writes in amazing detail. I mean, it's an epic in yes, a lot of Yes, it is very epic. Mm-hmm. To, to say that it's only a romance novel would do it a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. And, and what we are saying to date, most people don't take romance seriously like you were saying earlier especially within the religion scholastically academic world they're they're not taking it seriously and so to name it as a romance is kind of a subversive thing we're doing because Mm -hmm. people turn their noses up at romance particularly academics (laughs) and particularly in the uh, religious scholastic world so what we're doing is we're saying that this is romance Mm -hmm. and romance as a theology, as how Mm -hmm. we relate to God and each other, or relate to the bigness, I should go back to that Mm -hmm. word, relate to the bigness and
1: each other should be taken very seriously. But in response to episode two, one person wrote and told us this, and I'm just going to quote because her words were better than what I could do. So Mm -hmm. she says, reading Outlander and watching the series has brought back feelings into my life I thought I'd lost because of my age. And she's 70, she said. She says, Jamie Fraser has made me squeeze my legs together and blush something Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would ever do. Again, I've been surprised by the number of women my age and older who are smitten and aroused by Jamie Fraser. Aren't we all? Honey. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, yeah, I think I would have to be dead before I wasn't yeah. aroused by Jamie Fraser. Totally. Anybody paying any attention whatsoever. I just don't it's, see how seriously, it's
0: seriously. I I haven't lost that the older I get. I fully expect that by the time I'm 70, I'm still going to be feeling this no matter what. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And another listener said that it's given her and her husband something to talk about and enjoy together. She says he hasn't read the books and he doesn't watch the series religiously like she does, but that he at least understands that she loves the books and takes part in listening to her talking about Outlander and that he even enjoyed going to Scotland and going on a tour with her and seeing the filming location. So it's given them something to sort of bond over, I guess. I love that.
0: I love that they're able to do that together and bring each other together over this. Now we also ask questions at episode three and we wanted to know whether or not you read romance fiction or Outlander in community and whether or not it has affected your relationships that you're Mm -hmm. in right now either by undermining them or by benefiting them. One Mm -hmm. woman told us that Outlander made her realize how crap her relationship (laughs) is. And you you participate a lot in
1: some of the fan communities. Does that seem normal? Yeah, I actually think that's fairly common. I've seen that uh, written by a lot of people. So they're just comparing their relationship to Jamie and Claire's. And obviously, some relationships are poor. And then others are just... Different, But yeah, I, I do think that that is a fairly common experience, actually. Jill told wow. us, sort of in relation to the things that are a little bit different, she told us that at first Outlander undermined her relationship with her husband because, you know, who compares to Jamie? Right, <laughs> um, no. But, quote, she <laughs> says, As I read on... The bits of the Jamie and Claire relationship that started meaning the most to me were the little things that each noticed about the other person that only they would notice through long, loving contact and the small ways that they took care of each other. So she started looking at her husband through that lens, and she says he may not have had red hair or a kilt, but he had his own Jamie moments. And so she says, I tried to create some Claire moments for him too, though he has no idea. (laughs) 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 Um, She also talked about experiencing the divine in her relationship, not in a heavy-handed way, but in feeling that her husband was brought into her life for a reason. And she says that there's a loving cushion around us that keeps us together and supportive and loving to each other. And that not everyone gets to have that. So it feels divinely special in that way. Wow. I thought that was quite great. Yeah.
0: Well, and astute too, to be able to step out of the relationship and look at your relationship through this lens and say, you know, there is something special and unique about my relationship with my Mm -hmm. husband or my significant other so that it doesn't have to mirror this. (laughs) very ideal relationship in a fictional book but also that there are pieces of this fiction that actually do apply. That there's some things in my relationship that are ideal.
1: And Eva uh, also told us that Outlander has benefited her relationship because it has reminded both her and her husband of the, and her her phrase, the why of us. We assume she means kind of why they're together or, or, Mm or why they've chosen to share their life together. That's great. Yeah.
0: Thank you guys so much for sharing this with us, for responding to our questions and putting it out on the line. Because that's a pretty amazing thing that you just did by doing that. We will have more listener feedback for you guys in the future. We're going to try to do this fairly regularly now. And remember, after every episode, we have survey questions. They are found on our website, outlandersoul.com. Whenever you hear our podcast you'll hear our questions at the end of it we want to hear stories about how outlander has changed your life has changed your community and if you really don't ever want to fill out a survey ever in your entire life there are lots of other (laughs) ways for you to hook in (laughs) Uh, you can email us go on to our website you can find where you can contact us via email you can also find us on social media on facebook twitter tumblr and instagram or you can Mm -hmm. actually on our contact page record a voice message talking about Outlander, how it's changed your life and In response to anything that we've said in this podcast, or even if we've missed something in this podcast, and you really love us to talk about it.
1: As far as the voice message, you could also just do a voice memo on your phone and email it to us as well. So that's a possibility. But if we get some voice messages, we can include them in in an episode. So please feel free to tell us what you think. I should also say just completely as a side note, in case you hear snoring in the background, as I said in the first episode, um, (laughs) it's my dog. It's not me. her <laughs> around. She. I will post a picture on our social media. But she lays under my desk anytime I'm ever in my office and sleeps um, blissfully. <laughs> That will be Luna that you hear and, and not the boredom of anybody else sitting in the room. Right. Hey, well, anyway. our last episode, we talked about what's an outlander. So just to recap, what do we mean by outlander or by Sasnak or someone on the margins?
0: So someone on the margins really is exactly what it sounds like. If you've got the mm. core of a community, the center of a community, then the things that are on the outside of the community, the people, the groups that are on the outside of the community... They Mm -hmm. are outlanders. They are Mm -hmm. Sassanochs. They are those who are from the outside, the outsiders. They're not generally not to be trusted by the entire community. Some may be taken in, but as we talked about with Claire and Jamie, oftentimes they're not A, trusted with what's going on in the group, or B, they're put Mm -hmm. in specific areas of the community where they can be controlled and Mm -hmm. or where they can be watched. In essence, they're disconnected. And we talked about times that we have felt that disconnect from our community, Mm -hmm. from the greater universe, and how we have experienced being outlanders.
1: Within sort of scriptural references we talked about that in the last episode of the imperative within the Bible but also in other religious traditions to look after the stranger, to look after and protect and include the exile, the foreigner, the people who are on the margins, the poor, the needy the widow, the orphan, all those kinds of stuff. So in the context of, of this particular episode, the people on the margins we mentioned the lepers in the last episode, other people who would be unclean. So in the Gospels there's the story of the woman who bled or who had a a condition related to her menstrual cycle we think was considered unclean because she she just never stopped hemorrhaging basically. Right. So she was called the woman with the issue of blood for those who love the King James version of (laughs) the scripture. So she was considered unclean, other ill, other people who were disabled. Especially men
0: who may have lost their testicles yeah
1: the eunuch
0: or if it were by accident even yeah so certain maimings meant that you were no longer allowed in the community and women mm-hmm. just simply each month as a part of their menstrual cycles were considered unclean and had to sit outside of the community mm-hmm. once a month or mm-hmm. however not everybody has got a regular <laughs> menstrual cycle yeah i don't know that anybody i don't i don't think i know any female who does but to have that as a constant part of your life each month or every two, three months, you are no longer welcome as a part of the community. That becomes a ooh, that becomes an issue of being unclean and mm-hmm. uh, being an outlander.
1: One of the listeners talked about the red tent as being an important story yeah, for them. Yeah, And Terry, you said you hadn't read it yet. So I there's hadn't. an interesting part in that book, or, or sort of a theme about how the women, in some ways, you know, of course, they're considered unclean within the larger context, and so they go to a separate tent, and that's the red tent. So when they are mon- yeah. menstruating, they go to this tent. And so they talk about the community of the women in their experience of being exiled from from the rest of the tribe at particular times. If you haven't read the red tent and you're interested in that experience, that might be interesting for you.
0: It makes sense as a community people to come together, particularly if women and their cycles start getting in sync.
1: Yeah, it would yeah, be yeah.
0: everybody going out at the,
1: at the same all time, all the women of the tribe disappear for <laughs> <laughs> a week, a month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Widows and orphans, mm,
0: yeah. are on the outside, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically in the Book of Ruth. You've got Naomi and Ruth who are widows Mm -hmm. and Ruth who actually orphans herself she's like my people are your people instead of going back to her people in Moab she decides that she's going to stay with Naomi so she ends up orphaning herself they do not glean with the other folks they glean afterwards they do Mm -hmm. not reap the harvest they wait until it's over and they are the outlanders they are the ones who come behind to pick up as much as they can so that they can survive
1: and in the Gospels, the Samaritans were talked about as being outsiders, people who were perceived to be untrustworthy or were yeah. disconnected from the wider community. Pretty much unclean too. I mean, because mm-hmm. they come
0: from a different bloodline. So you, you've got entire communities of Samaritans that are set mm-hmm. up and Jesus goes to the woman of the well, who is a Samaritan in Samaria to drink water, which is a huge no-no as a Jewish person at the time. That's breaking an outlander rule.
1: The imperative for the community is to maintain purity, at least within the text. But we we do this now, right? So even, you know, sort of national boundaries, conversations around immigration, all this kind of stuff of this is who we are. This is who we aren't. You were in, you are out, whoever that is. And it's a push for purity in whatever form it's defined, right? So whatever the purity of either ethnic identification or theological belief or, you know, whatever it might be, is if you don't believe the way we do, then then you are cast out or you are on the outside. And you're not to, there's not to be any relation there. No. There's not to
0: be any relationship you might be
1: tainted.
0: There. Right. And it would change me, right? So again, at the heart of this romance theology, at the heart of this romantic theology or relational theology is the idea of relationship. And so that really kind of flies in yeah. the face of that.
1: Yeah, through a relationship, you are going to be tainted. There is no way to maintain purity in community with other people. It's it, so messy. It just doesn't happen.
0: Other folks who were outlanders throughout the Old Testament, and especially in the New Testament that we see, are anybody who is a Gentile anywhere near the Jewish community. So mm-hmm. the Romans, the Ethiopians, anybody living in Palestine mm-hmm. during the first century that was not considered part of the Jewish people was an outsider an outlander so the roman centurion who comes to jesus and asks for it either depending on the gospel that you're you're reading either Mm -hmm. the healing of his servant or the healing of his daughter that person is an outsider coming and asking an insider to help them so you've got this whole group of people who are considered outlanders who are living among the people who are considered the people of God.
1: What we want to emphasize is, as we see it in the Outlander series, as well as as we see it in scripture and just human experience in general, is that our most important need we have is to belong. To belong to a community where we feel as if we are not alone, that other people share our experience, who are able to recognize our legitimacy and able to say, look, you're you're one of us, right? So right. let's talk a little bit about personal experience here and then we'll go into Outlander, right? So Terry, is there anything that you want yeah, to... Yeah, I used to be the director of a program called
0: Project Burning Bush, and it had nothing to do with our mm-hmm. former presidents, mm-hmm. but the program the program had to do with Moses and the Burning Bush, and so it was at the Union Theological Seminary. It was for high school students who were considering becoming ministers, and so it was a vocational program that I kind of brought up from the ground and then directed for a number of years, and we had a steering committee. and. Um, on the steering committee was my former Hebrew professor Dr. Carson Brisson and I'll never forget he said this it was after the first or second year that we had done this and he he looked around the group and he's like I I just reiterated for him the most important need we have is to belong it's Mm -hmm. more important than shelter it's more important Mm -hmm. than food it's Mm -hmm. and we will give up shelter and food just so Mm -hmm. that we belong we -hmm. will become the black sheep in our family just so we belong to the family. We will do anything so that we belong. Youth tend to wear this on the outside more Mm -hmm. so that we can see it more. They tend to have not developed the skills to hide that need more than Mm -hmm. we do. And and having worked with the youth that I did, and these were exceptional youth, they were cream of the crop kids that their pastors and their Presbyterian church sessions had recommended and flagged. And so to even see that in the kids you think always belong, to know that there's always Mm -hmm. that desperate need at the base of our soul to belong Mm -hmm. to someone, to something, to some group even if it's a group of outsiders. That always struck me, and I think that was the beginning of my understanding of relational theology.
1: And even for me, like in the last episode, I talked a bit about how I've moved around, but my community, I would say, are, are of <laughs> fellow exiles, fellow expats, people who, yeah, who just don't seem to fit into the traditional structures. And so I've been called Heretic by a few from the communities I used to be a Lucky part you. of. and you. Yay, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Yay. I, I embrace that. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody who is meaningful to me, um, not to say everybody I know, but everybody who has made a significant difference in my life are fellow heretics, if that makes sense. And so this idea of community of exiles, I think... <laughs> is yes. the experience of a lot of people not just myself but people in outlander too and so yeah we wanted to kind of highlight this and focus specifically maybe in this bit of the conversation around the recurring theme of home so in a community of exiles what exactly is home how do you define right. that okay so i work at a pub uh, a couple days a week and every shift no joke i get asked at least three or four times. So in the course of you know five hours, six hours, I get asked three or four times. So where are you from? And I'm <laughs> most of the time I'm okay with answering that question. But a lot of times I'm like, well, I've lived in the UK for 12 years now. So at what point do I say I'm from the UK? Is it because of my accent? You know, at what point do I get to claim this as home? And I'm white. So there's plenty of people of color who have a British accent and they get asked this question all the time too. Where are you from? As if, you know, they're not from here, even (laughs) though they might've lived here for generations. So there's an... there's an implicit bias. There's an implicit racial aspect to it of you're not one of us because you either don't look like me or you don't speak like me.
0: Wow. And isn't that coming from a privileged place? Oh, totally. Of yeah. uh, I am yeah. I am the insider. I look like everybody here and sound like everybody here.
1: Yeah. So you're not one of us. Right. Mm. Where can I place mm. you in my belonging? Wow. Yeah. You know, in the context of those conversations, can I call UK home if I keep being asked where I'm from? I don't know. That's a question I've got. But yeah, the theme of home, exile, community, belonging in Outlander is definitely a recurring theme. So Claire, obviously, Mm -hmm. is always asking to, she wants
0: to come home. She wants to take me home.
1: She says that so many times to Jamie, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, she does. And Jamie coming home.
1: That pull to Lallybrock in the first few books. Constantly.
0: Him being kind of the heightened version of himself at Lallybrock and always being exiled from it for one Mm. reason or another. Either Mm -hmm. he is exiled because he is considered a a thief because, well, he he was. Or because he's a traitor to the crown. Or exiled because so many different reasons. Mm. But even to be able to live on the property and not only be able to come into the house once a month to clean up and to be a part of the family and the community again Mm. and and still not be a a part of the home and to give up his home yeah so the signing of the deed yeah the deed assessing to to uh, give it up
1: so that it wouldn't be lost to the british Um, that breaks my heart every time i read it mm. well maybe let's talk a bit about a little bit more about lally brock and its roles so one thing that was brought up, it, it doesn't exist anymore, but, well, I think it stopped probably last year, but there was a podcast called The Scott and the Sassanac, and they it was Alistair Stevens who was doing that episode, I think, but was talking about that Jamie and Claire are always exceptional at Lallybrock. They are the fullest expression of themselves, which you yeah. said a minute ago, yeah, Terry. Yeah, Like, Jenny and Ian fit in in Lallybrock. It's their home, it's where they live, it's where they've had their children, you know, where they're rooted, right? But right. Jamie and claire will always be slightly on the out of it because they're the laird and lady or because they don't live there they haven't had their children there you know there's lots of different reasons as to right. why why lily brock is both home and isn't home yeah i mean in dragonfly and amber in chapter 30 claire refers to it as home before she ever says it out loud but then in chapter 31 she's like I had never actually had a home, the roving life. It was strange then and rather wonderful to wake up in the upper bedroom at Lallybrock next to Jamie and realize as I watched the dawn touch his sleeping face that he'd been born in this bed, Once the boundaries of home had been transgressed, could destiny be enough to hold him, I wondered. Then Jamie talks about Lallybrock as home a little bit later, but in that same chapter, saying, I've seen those trees at Lallybrock maybe a thousand times, and I thought you looked as though you grew there, like one of the saplings, like you'd always been a part of this place. Well, you know, it's home, Sasanak, it's my place.
0: I, I think about Ian and I think about Jenny and while mm. Ian had been away mm-hmm. and had had done the things away Jenny hasn't been any more than 10 miles away from Lally Brock her entire life
1: mm. and I don't know yeah. that
0: she, she knows well and here I am trying to psychologize one of the characters I don't know that she yeah. knows what it would be like to be apart until she yeah. is apart uh, at the end after Ian mm-hmm. dies and then she decides that this is the time she needs to go and be with her brother be with family and take this mm-hmm. trip all of her family that mm-hmm. all of her children all of her grandchildren are mm-hmm. at lallybrock and she does this amazing thing at this yeah. amazing time in her life to yeah. leave home and to know that she will probably never come back
1: yeah and i wonder it I, it doesn't really say but it seems as if lallybrock ceases to be home for her once ian is gone, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I just wonder. So, okay, so Clara says it also in that kind of in that part in Dragonfly Number, she says, Jamie, I only want to be where you are. And so, the question is whether or not is Jamie home? for Claire yeah and that's a big question but if he were she wouldn't be asking him to take her home do you know Mm. how you know
0: yeah I see what you're saying there
1: I guess maybe the point for me is home is never a static thing and it's never one thing that I can refer to Richmond Virginia as home but when I'm in Richmond Virginia I know it's not home I feel at home and yet I'm not at home if that makes sense.
0: No, I, it does make sense. And I, I've shared this with you. I've not shared this mm. with the listeners, but mm. I had this experience the first time I came to England, and I have no explanation for it whatsoever. Mm. I'd never mm-hmm. been to England, and I've been to other countries. But when mm-hmm. I was uh, 16 years old, I took a trip to England, and I've been back since. But I stepped off the plane, and I felt like I had come home. Mm. I know I'm American. I know Mm -hmm. I talk different, eat different, have a different Mm -hmm. culture completely than Mm -hmm. the folks in the UK and yet I have no explanation. I felt like I mean, I've got the high forehead, the, the nose, the teeth, everything. So from, people look like you. I ever <laughs> found there a, looks a place like where. Yes. Yeah. And I mm. had this actually, a, a friend of mine had this experience as well. We went to Central mm-hmm. America as part of the curriculum when I was in seminary at Union Presbyterian Seminary. And he was a light skinned African American gentleman, tall, mm. way tall. He, he must have been 6'2, six, 6'3. But we went to Central America, and, of course, I was the one out of place. And Mm -hmm. everybody looked at me because I had strawberry blonde hair like I was sick and dying. Because, (laughs) well, truly, because (laughs) children who are dying of malnutrition – their hair turns mm. a dullish strawberry blonde they're very sick they're close to death mm-hmm. and they they would come up to him and just hang on him and I, I just i was like i was like what is wrong with me why are people treating me this way and he's like mm. terry i look like them and i was like yeah. oh and from that point on in our 3 week trip to central america i made a point to always know where i was at any given time and to then reach out or hang back as I needed to. Because I wanted to belong even if I was the strawberry blonde sheep. I wanted to I wanted to <laughs> belong in my not belonging. And I say this because I'm very similar to Jenny in the sense that Richmond has almost always been my home. I live six blocks from where I was born. Which is a mm-hmm. bizarre thing in this world to, to be like. Yeah, I, I, the Western I world.
1: truly cannot relate to that. That just seems crazy to me. And yet
0: here I am. I love this place. It's in my blood. I go into certain yeah. places in the city and I can feel a vibration there that I belong to it. Mm. And I felt yeah. that same vibration when I stepped off the plane when I was 16 years old. It was a yeah. weird, weird thing.
1: There are so many different concepts of home that I think that's the series explores. And I just find that just a fascinating topic within the series, as far as narrative structure in Outlander, at yeah. least in the first three books and also in echo in the bone, Lallybrock is the fulcrum around which the rest of the story turns. Yes. Or if you think of kind of a fulcrum pyramid sort of thing, you get the first half of the story, then they're in Lally Rock and then the other half of the story. And so in other books, though, it's not Lallybrock, it's Fraser's Ridge. Take Me Home becomes Fraser's Ridge yeah and not Lallybrook because it becomes this new promised land Lallybrook being the old promised land and Fraser's Church becomes the new both yes. literally and you know figuratively and it's the place where both Jamie and Claire aren't outlanders in some ways especially Fraser's Ridge it becomes their home so they're the ones that establish Fraser's Ridge but then again they're still kind of the Laird and Lady or the the people who are in charge and and still slightly separate obviously from from everyone else
0: which is really kind of the antithesis of what culturally they are the colonists coming into the Americas they are the outlanders the Native Americans are not the outlanders and yet the tide turns And it it turns Mm. in the, you know, 17th and 18th centuries for the natives who are are from this land so that they end Mm. up being the outlanders, Mm. which is such a strange thing.
1: A horrific thing, yeah.
0: And a destructive thing. For the natives of the land, and they're watching this happen. They're seeing the brutal murder of of some of the natives in the land, and they're also seeing the Mm. sickness, and entire tribes being wiped out.
1: Yeah, and the appropriation of their land, and their stories are based on their land. Uh, Yeah, going back to Fraser's Ridge, the community that they build there the house and its destruction and its rebuilding but part of claire being at home is a place where she has a place to plant her garden and to grow things
0: and i'm looking forward Hmm. to the next book here because it has to do with home and it has to do with the bees because that was one of the first things that they bring you know after she planted her garden they go out to get bees uh, Bree and Jamie
1: it's what they bring to
0: Fraser's Ridge I'm wondering what this next book is going Mm. to be about particularly the
1: title about the bees and and coming home and coming home yeah and Moby ending with Brianna and Roger and Jimmy and Mandy coming back um, back. and this homecoming. but there's also another aspect to home that I think is really interesting especially in Dragonfly and Amber, of this concept of home on the road, which we see sort of the community coming together on the road in uh, the chapter around Preston Pans. And I think it'd be really interesting if somebody, you know, wanted to do literary analysis. <laughs> Anybody out there, feel free Yay, to take challenge. Yay, come on, have us um, <laughs> <laughs> To do a parallel between the Rent chapters in Outlander and the chapters when they're on the road with the rising in Dragonfly and Amber and how those are the same and how they're different i would i would really be interested in that you know we talked about maybe claire and jenny feeling at home with their men jamie and ian but also that homes with each other in the sense of roger and brianna coming back which we just talked about but ian senior not we ian as being home for jamie jamie talks about ian's place at Lally Brock. And he says, Ian, he's that part of me that belongs here, meaning Lollybrock, that never left. I thought I've got to tell him I don't want to feel apart from Ian or from here. So, you know, Ian kind of as Stasis, as the one who has stayed
0: yeah, I mean so he's the keeper of his secrets as well. Yeah. He's the one yeah, who holds absolutely. the tiny part of Jamie that can barely hide underneath a blade of grass, right? Mm, this yeah. this yeah. piece of Jamie that he knows Claire knows but needs one mm-hmm. other person to know. And it's Ian, mm-hmm. right? It's it's yeah. he he holds this horrifying secret
1: for him. He does. Yeah. But then Jenny indicates that Ian's not in stasis that Ian has changed too she tells him that he's different now but that because Jamie's been away he doesn't know how Ian's changed over the years
0: and I'm wondering if that too is is part of the idea of home so in Hebrew scripture the idea of home being a place well at the end of the Torah the the, the definite search for the Canaan the the promised land and then Mm -hmm. of course what happens is The Babylonians come and they uproot all of the finest and the best of the people of Israel and they take them back to Babylonia as slaves. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you've got two very different understandings of where is God in this moment. In the prophets, you've got Ezekiel for the Mm -hmm. people who were left behind in the land of Israel, destitute and without their finest and their best. And you've got Mm -hmm. the finest and the best that have been uprooted outside of the land. And at the Mm -hmm. time... God was believed to be within the boundary of the land. So if you crossed into another land, you crossed into another God's territory. That sounds so silly to us today, but it was really not. Mm -hmm. So you you travel into another God's territory. Does God come with you? What Mm -hmm. happens there? And and it becomes this touchstone in your brain, Mm -hmm. the memory, the collective community memory of what home was. Mm -hmm. And so that's the book of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. the prophecy of, of Isaiah and what it means to be away from home mm-hmm. and where, where the bigness resides. And ultimately, they come up with a different theology of mm-hmm. God being with you, of mm-hmm. this Emmanuel, which mm-hmm. gets spoken about often in the book mm-hmm. of Isaiah. So you've, you've got this really amazing idea of where is God when I'm... What is the touchstone? And for the people of Israel at that point, their Torah, the law, the law of God, becomes the touchstone, and it becomes Mm. where home is until they can get back to this place. And once they get back, let me just say, it's not home the way that they had hoped it would be. The temple's been destroyed. It's been sitting there for... 80 years in, in rubble, and it's it's not home until they, they change it. And then, of course, the Assyrians come. It's just there's this whole thing of by the time we get to first century Palestine, which is, you know, the beginning of the Christian tradition, there's this mm. huge question of Zion and this imagined place of home. Mm. I think I've just gone on a tear. I apologize.
1: That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so we've talked about home um but let's then also look at outlanders have created their own community in this series so they've created their own sense of belonging again this this community of exiles or this community of sasnaks in some way and jamie and claire have a way of creating belonging and gathering the lost right all these all the people that are around them are also outlanders Okay, so we see a kind of even this theme start in Claire and Frank's conversation about having a child. So Claire argues about adopting a child since they seem to have an issue with getting pregnant. And Frank says he can't raise someone else's child that he'll resent (laughs) it. Well, you know, we know this is going to be ironic, right? But Jamie and Claire, or Jamie even especially, but Claire certainly assists or is a a part of this, takes in seemingly every stray and outsider that comes their way. Without yeah. question The first sort of Robbie McNab, You know He's been yeah. He's been abused by his father And Jamie's like Right okay Come Well actually I guess it was Jenny But Jamie started the process Of saying He'll be with us then Fergus Willoughby Or yeah. Yen Cho The Men of Ard's mirror. We Ian Even as he leaves Lallybroch. Rolo by proxy They've <laughs> adopted a dog even yeah. The people who come and Populate Fraser's Ridge Lizzie and then her father the Beardsley yeah. twins and so it just goes on and on and on that they just become these adopters this yes. foster family this replacement family in a way that's amazing that's more patience than I would ever have
0: <laughs> although I have to say we've got the big sign over our house that says all sick lame and lazy animals come to us you know at one point we had I think five animals and some fish in the house but Claire seems to be able to I, I don't know she seems to be able to just manage yep okay they come along
1: yeah Claire's never and neither has Jamie worked from an ethic of scarcity they don't say look we don't have enough we can't we can't do this it's a come on we'll figure it out so more of a more of an abundance or a, the value is welcoming in the one who's in need as opposed to saying I don't have enough for you well
0: it's, it's for better or for worse you're with us yes yeah. It goes back to we'll give up home and shelter, we'll give up food, we'll give up all of that stuff just to belong.
1: And in part, I think it maybe it's because Jamie's a leader, so one who gathers others around him. I think yes. that's part of it. Yeah. But also, I think because he and Claire have a natural empathy and understand what it's like to be on the outside. Yes. And how important home is for those who who don't have it well and the danger for someone who has no community to which to
0: belong if you don't belong to a community at all at this time or even today
1: there's huge dangers out there for you okay so we talked about prisoners of ardsmuir claire and joe abernathy creating a little community amongst themselves because they're the outsiders in medical school right and you know they could have they could have gone the other way they could have been in competition
0: Yes, they could have have said, nope, you're a woman, nope, you're black, we are not going to merge, I'm going to do everything I can to be in the community here Mm -hmm. with the men, Mm -hmm. and I will do everything I can to be in the community as a black man among white men, but but instead they they clung together, and I think that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, the gatherings, um, when they happen, Roger... In the eighteenth century Presbyterian,
0: <laughs> and how all that came together too. He, and he doesn't fit in the twentieth. No, century he doesn't Presbyterians. fit. Presbyterians. No, he doesn't fit at all. Poor Roger. I know. <laughs> he and Ian just. I think the I want to just
1: dedicate an deal. entire episode to Roger because I know I do think probably outside of Jamie and Claire, he is my my next favorite character. Right. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about Ian, and I'll probably say that too. Um, <laughs> And I yeah. got a soft spot for John Gray. Uh, well, so, yeah, him huge too. a soft oh, spot gosh, for John well. Gray. Mm. Maybe, maybe second favorite, first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think what what's a really interesting exposition about community that we see in Dragonfly and Amber is that we only fulfill our nature in combination with or in community with other people. And so Master Raymond talks about sulfur. You grind mm. it with a few other small things, touch it with a match, and it'll explode gunpowder is it magic or is it only the nature of sulfur and so he's talking Mm. about the sort of duality between science and magic but that in community we all all these different components this chemistry of, of people and what they bring to the table then right. either creates something that's useful or something that's destructive in community we we use each other and in a in a good way as a catalyst or we're we're able to fulfill what we're called to do as people uh, with the yeah. help of other people right
0: right it's almost
1: as if when Jamie is mm-hmm. apart from that
0: he really does lose a lot of his strengths
1: when he's done bonnet. Yes, yeah. when
0: he's done bonnet, even when he's at Hellwater, he loses a lot of his strengths because he isn't his higher vibration. He isn't mm. that thing. He he can't make things explode
1: for good or
0: for mm. ill. He doesn't have the strength of the others upholding him.
1: You know, if we do this sort of, you know, Myers Briggs has its downfalls, but I would say Jamie would be an extrovert. That oh, he yes. he needs other people to to make him feel human is by speaking and talking and so that point in Voyager where he comes back to Lallybrock and he has a shave and he becomes human again after you know in his experiences of while he's done Bonnet and that his his humanity like everybody's is is defined by coming back into that space and being in community with other people that it takes him a little while to start talking but once he does he becomes human again yes, rather than yes, this absolutely. wild man, right?
0: Because extroverts get their energy from other people and yeah. introverts get their energy from solitude. I mean it's good to have obviously both as a balance but I, honestly yeah. I, I don't, I think truly I think Claire is also an extrovert I think she, like Jamie, this is one of the reasons I think that they're comfortable bringing like hey come on, you know, for mm-hmm. anybody who wants to join their little ragtag band I, I think both of them, A, you know the dangers of it and B, have this natural affinity towards being with other people, Ian, Ian uh, Moore, the older Ian, seems much mm. more the introvert, much more the the one who who tends to want to be alone on the on the trips, and he he mm. gets most of his energy from either solitude or just being with Jenny.
1: I think we could do an entire separate episode on just on solitude and loneliness and how yes. that's um how that's yeah. talked about in the series
0: yeah there's there's a lot of that in the jewish and the, and the christian traditions i would be very interested in knowing about how solitude is portrayed in the islamic traditions as well solitude is one thing solitude is the idea of being alone and comfortable with it it is the opportunity to be by yourself in yeah. a meditative sort of way yeah. whereas loneliness is the missing others
1: while you're alone it's the need of others but you don't have them or you could be lonely in a group of people so it's not it's not as if others aren't present it's you're not connecting to other people correct so it's the the absence of connection I would say is what yeah so in solitude yeah, you. You are connected. Yeah. Yeah, you're connected with something in solitude, but unless you're not.
0: Um, we also talked a little bit about, and and this is where I think we could also even have an entire episode of identity. There are so many children mm-hmm. who were considered orphans, some considered bastards, mm-hmm. some just not with their families, and and so like Ian Og, the younger Ian, is not an mm-hmm. orphan or mm-hmm. a bastard, and yet he's not raised mm-hmm. by his parents. Later, he he leaves mm-hmm. home. And he ends up being mm-hmm. raised in some of the you know, more uh, formative times of his life by Jamie and Claire. You've got so many people throughout the, the whole group that, that do not either A, know their families, know their parents. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. A, a lot of this idea of community gets interwoven with this idea of who we are as identity. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we do need to have another episode, just like we need one on, on solitude and loneliness, but yeah. I think we need another episode just on identity because that is so integral to any faith tradition. Even if you are in the Hindu traditions or even as an agnostic or an atheist, to identify yourself with some form of belief or, or, or mm-hmm. some form of who you are I think Mm -hmm. really helps us find that place of belonging.
1: When we do that episode, I think what would be really interesting as well is to look at how Jamie renames all those strays that he gets. So Claudel becomes Fergus you comes willoughby william he gets a new name when he's baptized by jamie and that secret papist (laughs) papist. yeah whether or not there's something about them within the christian tradition you're baptized and you're given a name and whether or not there's something about jamie giving them a new name as a way of welcoming them into the community that he is leading or he's he's doing
0: i think that there are places in our lives too where there just is no belonging for us. Mm. As we're looking for our place to hook in and our, our place to belong, there are some places that we grieve not belonging. And at some point we need to let go. I no longer really fully belong in the evangelical community. Yeah, I, I, yeah. As a female mm-hmm. who's a minister, who is a feminist, there are churches I can walk into That I sort of belong because I know the rites and the rituals.
1: You know the language and you know know kind of what informs everything, yeah.
0: But I don't belong because I cannot believe in the exclusion any longer. I think too we see this in Outlander that, you know, we've already Mm. said Hellwater is a place where Jamie never belongs. Even though he's got a son there, Mm. he will never belong in Hellwater mm. and he can never be by mm. his son's side, which is why he has to
1: leave. And Boston, Claire yes. never fits in there either. For all realistic purposes, she should, but she doesn't No.
0: She's a she's the eighteenth century woman still living in the twentieth century who wants yeah. to be a doctor of yeah. all things in the nineteen fifties. And so she she can't ever really fully belong there
1: and Roger yeah mm-hmm. Roger yeah. in 20th century church when he comes back and <laughs> yeah he... yeah, and he's sort of beginning to wonder about his role as a minister or what that would be and yeah
0: to have a calling in one place but not in another and I totally yeah. get that
1: Mm -hmm. That has
0: happened to me as well, is to to have a call at this time in my life, in this place Mm -hmm. in my life, but Mm -hmm. to end up in another place in time, and the calling's Mm -hmm. just not there. And John Gray. John Gray just, bless his bones, he's he's got all of the reasons why he should belong. He's Mm -hmm. a white male in the military coming from a very affluential family. In the
1: aristocracy. Yeah, Yeah,
0: he's part of what should be... A place where he should naturally fit, and he just mm. rarely finds any belonging anywhere mm-hmm. because he's a sexual minority.
1: Except maybe with William. Though, I don't yeah. know. Is William aware? Of John's identity. I don't know that he is.
0: I don't know that he probably knows enough to question it. Well, no, he has mm. to. It's, again, it's the fish in the water type of thing. So do, yeah. do you ever grow up thinking that your parents had a life before you, right? You know, my son would be surprised to know that I had an entire life prior to him. And William not ever questioning his role until he sees Jamie.
1: So I think the big question out of this episode or out of out of this series when we look at this theme is how do we engender belonging, community and shalom meaning, you know, a wholeness, a peace, a well being in our communities that we see in Outlander, questions around, you know, where do we belong and in what way? Yeah. You know, this series makes me ask and think about what are we doing to bring folks in from the margins? Yes. Um, that's something just theologically that I think Terry and I both work on anyway, but we see it in the series, too.
0: And I guess questions, too, of what is home for us? Is it mm-hmm. something static? Is it something that's a little more dynamic? Does it have a person attached? What is the, the one thing that would take that away from us? If we mm-hmm. have home and we know what it feels like to belong. And where is never home? Where can home no longer be? Where can we be and never belong? Where can we exist mm-hmm. and always be the outlander?
1: But those aren't our survey questions for this no, episode. No. So um, we, we're going to wrap up this episode with another set of questions that we would love to hear your stories and your feedback around first question there's three at this point so how has outlander influenced how you think about home and belonging you may say it hasn't it never occurred to you until this episode and if that's the case then that's fine but if it has influenced we'd like to know how question
0: number two So we talked about Jamie and Claire having this knack for making home and gathering people around them wherever they are. Do you know people like this in your own life or are you like this? Is this something that you tend to have an amazing ability to do
1: and if so, Tell us about that. And you may not think that you have it, but it might be that other people have reflected on it, that you were the one that happens to gather people around or that you're kind of the home for strays for lack yes, of a better term. Yes. The earth mother or the earth father. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'd love to hear stories about people like that. Right. And then final question, and it's a big one and it's a really simple one. What makes you feel at home? And it could be as simple as, you know, your favorite blanket, or it could be as complex as, well, gosh, I don't even want to give examples of that. But yeah, what makes you feel at home? And that's it for this episode. Yes, and we're so
0: grateful for you listening. Mm -hmm. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell the people (laughs) in your community, the black sheep, the white sheep, the purple sheep, (laughs) the strawberry blonde sheep. One of our
1: listeners told us that they're recommending it to their clergy, which I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, and and honestly, if there's stuff that you're listening,
0: I would love to have folks who disagree with us listening to this so that we could have dialogue. Because truly, I find that I know what I think I believe and would love to know where it doesn't really intersect with what you all believe. And to me, that's the only way we have understanding of each Mm -hmm. other and understanding of the the larger world is when people who disagree come together with an idea of respect Mm -hmm. for each other regardless Mm -hmm. of what we believe. That's belonging for me, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So we want to spend a little bit of time talking to you about how you can support us. If you've read sort of our bios on the website or you listened to the first episode, then you know that both Terry and I are busy women with several jobs each and we are squeezing this (laughs) podcast in uh, into what is really already full plates. So from the listener feedback we know that there are a few of you at least out there who are catching each episode and who are responding to what we're doing and it's it's been meaningful for you. So if you're in any position to support us we would Really appreciate it. If you click on the support us button at the top of our website, which is
0: outlandersoul.com, it'll take you to a list of things you can do. You could support us financially through Patreon, starting at only a dollar a month. So if you like what you hear and want to pay $12
1: a year and want to help us grow, we'd really appreciate your investment in our work. Yeah, and we have different levels of support too. So the first would be uh, Mrs. Fitz, who sort of just, you know, keeps things running for us and is the the (laughs) engine behind the scenes, to the Murta level, to the, you know, the right hand man sort of level. So, you know, you can choose which one you want, depending on the the amount of support you want to give us. But the amount that you give us, however much it is, will contribute to us being able to invite guests onto the show. We've got a few people that, that we want to have on who are really interesting and doing some really interesting work around Outlander but also to have a sound editor so that it allows us to record a bit more and we've also thought about doing get-togethers and so that would enable us to spend some time to do the admin to make that happen. And we want to give a shout out to Lynn who is our very
0: first patron at $5 a month. Give it up for Lynn and we just so appreciate this. I know great things are going to happen the more patrons we get. And you can also listen to the podcast now through Stitcher or Radio Public, and you'll find the links on our website. We get a few pennies for every listen, so if you can't afford to support us through Patreon, this is a great option. So choose Stitcher or
1: Radio Public if you can. You can also review us on iTunes. I know if you're a regular podcast listener to other podcasts, you hear this all the time, but it really matters. So when you review us, it helps us to reach more people because then iTunes uh, spends more time publicizing our podcast. And so if you're able to review us on iTunes, we would really appreciate it. You can also spread the word about Outlander Soul on social media. Follow
0: us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, share our posts tell all your friends we just want to get this out there as far and as wide and as broadly as possible
1: we appreciate whatever help you can give us so please think about ways in which you support us and and we'd love to have you Thanks a lot. Thank you. Another big announcement is that Outlander Soul is going to Fraser's Ridge. Well, (laughs) (laughs) woohoo! not really, but sort of close. We're going to be at the Wild Goose Festival, which is being held in Hot Springs, North Carolina, which is close to where Fraser's Ridge would have been. And that's happening on the 12th through the 15th of July. I, Jamie, am doing a workshop that's separate from Outlander Soul at Wild Goose, and Terry is joining me so that in case we do have any fans or any people who are there who are Outlander folk, then we can can have a chat with them and see what we can do. If
0: you're interested in the intersection between faith, art social action and you'd like to meet us have a chat we'd love to see you go to the wild goose festival in hot springs north
1: carolina Mm. you can get your tickets for the festival at wildgoosefestival.org. and if the cost is prohibitive for you but you really want to go they're also looking for volunteers so if you can't afford a ticket you can sign up to be a volunteer and if they accept then you might be able to get in for free so check with them about attending or get your tickets and we'd love to see you so let us know if you're coming so we can have chats. That's it
0: for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening.
1: We'd really appreciate it if you'd review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps people to find us.
0: If you listen and like what you hear, please consider supporting us via Patreon. Just click on the support us button at outlandersoul.com and give whatever you can afford. Every little bit helps.
1: Also, we'd love to hear your questions, your thoughts, your ideas. Part of the work that we're doing is gathering data on how fans interact with and value Outlander in their lives. And so we're interested in what you have to say
0: and we know outlander fans
1: have a lot to say so please respond to our survey questions found on our website related to this episode or follow links you'll find on facebook twitter or tumblr
0: you can also contact us by email at outlandersoulpodcast at gmail.com or through our website at outlandersoul.com
1: thanks again everyone we'll see you again in a couple weeks see you then bye